0: Coming up on Unpacked. You feel like if I don't have that, Mm. then I am not, you know, Mm. I'm not pretty enough. As a six year old, it's it's a completely different perspective.
1: Essentially, I went to school one day and I had hair, and the next day I went to school with no hair. You don't choose alopecia. You don't choose for your
2: immune system to not function at its optimum.
1: Sometimes I used to even cover up with a swimming cap at the beach, just because I was afraid of showing um my naked head
0: living with alopecia we have two guests today that are here to share their stories let's unpack It was at the age of six that Paula Curry's mom noticed clumps of hair missing from her daughter's head whilst giving her a bath. What started as minor hair loss for the Stellenbosch-based student became a lifelong struggle. At the age of 20, Boxburg-born actress Alta Vis Larenz started noticing a thinning of her hair. Six years later, the hair loss became more aggressive and led to her getting medical attention. These are their stories. Let's unpack. Welcome to the show, Alta Vis. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. And joining us via Videocon, we have Paula. Welcome, Paula. Hi, thank you for having me. All right, I'm going to start with you, Yaltovice. Explain to us what your understanding of alopecia is. So my
2: understanding of alopecia is essentially your immune system attacking itself. That results in you not being able to grow hair or certain parts, or or where certain parts of
0: your body can't make hair, (laughs) almost produce hair, where your hair just falls out or ceases to grow. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And I mean, um, my understanding is that there are different types of alopecia. yes. And uh, which type do you have? I've got alopecia areata.
2: So I still grow hair on other parts of my body. But when it comes to the top of mainly my face, I struggle to grow hair on my scalp. Um, Eyebrows, no, there's nothing there. And I'm still losing eyelashes. Yes, yes. And on
0: your side, Paula, which type of alopecia do you have?
1: So I was also diagnosed with alopecia areata, um, but over the years, I would say that I've had a combination of the different alopecias as the the parts of my body where my hair grows is constantly changing mm. and that it's falling out and coming back. And you know, so I would say I would have a combination. Mm.
0: So Paula, what happened um, uh, that you then got diagnosed? What was the buildup to that diagnosis?
1: I got diagnosed when I was quite young. Um, So I was six years old and it all started, I was at home one day and I was in the bath and my mom noticed some um, parts of my hair that had been falling out on my head. And um, at first she had no idea what it was and we didn't really know. And it took a while. I went to quite a few doctors um, before I eventually got diagnosed with alopecia.
0: And what was it that they suspected, the doctors, that your, your mom was taking you to?
1: At first um they were di- they were giving me ointments and things to treat eczema mm. um and things like that and eventually I went to a, a specialist and and they diagnosed it with alopecia and the reason um for it is still unknown um some doctors say that it's a trauma that causes it mm. um so it could be a trauma that was caused by stress or something internally in your body but today we couldn't really pinpoint it. Um, some doctors also suspect that it could have been a shampoo that I was using at the mm. time, as I was using a specific lice shampoo. And um, it came out after I was diagnosed that there were some toxic ingredients in that lice shampoo and it's no longer being sold on the shelves. Mm. Um, so some of the doctors that I saw suspect that that lice shampoo could have been the trauma that was linked to me um, getting alopecia.
0: When they explained to you, because you were six years old at the time, what was your understanding and what did the doctor explain to you being a child?
1: Um, I I don't think I fully understood what they were explaining to me um, because my brother and sister were both normal and nothing was happening to them. Mm -hmm. And this was all happening to me. So it was all a bit confusing. But um, essentially, I went to school one day and I had hair. And the next day I went to school with no hair and it was a big adjustment for me um, as a child, especially going to school and interacting with friends and them also wondering and asking questions that I didn't have answers to. Um, So it was a big adjustment.
0: Mm, mm. Let's talk about the buildup to your diagnosis. What was it that you started experiencing and um, then talked us through you being diagnosed?
2: I feel like there's some similarities between Paula and I because I started losing hair about 10 years ago, so yes. at 20, in my 20s. And I would also sometimes wake up and see hair on my pillow. Yes. But then I'm just like, no, I slept dry, I, slept I didn't wear a dope, you know, I'm yes. wearing the wrong dope thing. They, yes. they say things like, don't wear a ghost to bed. You know, sometimes you'll swirl your hair to yes. bed. And now you start changing, you're like, I'm only gonna wear silk or satin duck, yes. but still when I take it off, I'm still shedding hair. Yes. You know, and then I started shedding my eyebrows, and then you know, lashes eventually came. But then you start ruling out certain things where stop braiding your hair, or you're braiding your hair too mm. tight, or you're using the wrong oil, start using essential oils, mm. or stop using product. So I also mm. switched from shampoos and conditioners that had sulfate to sulfate-free shampoo, mm. sulfate-free conditioner. Not using heat on your hair, only not manipulating your hair. But, Mm. you know, it was futile.
0: So um, you started experiencing that, trying different things. When did it get so serious that now you're like, I actually need to consult? Ooh, around twenty six.
2: like from 2015 building up because I only Mm. got diagnosed in 2018 where I couldn't even tie my hair anymore Mm. because the patches were so severe. So while I could still cover it up, I'm just like, no man, I'm just not being gentle with Mm. my hair. I'm not, Mm. I'm actually stressed about something up until it got to a point where, you know, you visit the GP and then they change your hormones. They change, Mm. they give you certain supplements because you might be stressed. There might be a deficiency. And only when I went to the dermatologist in 2018, after they checked my scalp, were they like, you've,
0: actually got alopecia just so i can understand did the doctor explain to you um what it is he looks for is it that the roots are gone so Mm -hmm. it's just like um flesh if that Mm -hmm. makes sense or is it that um the roots are damaged in a certain way like Mm -hmm. what specifically does the doctor look for to say it is this and not just hair falling out because of stress or maybe as a side effect of medication or mm. anything else. So
2: on the right, on the right side of my head, essentially my follicles are asleep. They're in such a deep sleep where now we have to try things where it be topical treatment like yes. minoxidil or cortisone injections to try and wake up the follicle so that yes. it can grow. So if when I do grow up my hair, you'll see that I still have there's bits of hair coming out, yes. but they're in such a deep sleep that they can't actually grow. Yes. And at the back of my head there's nothing, there's nothing there. And yes. in the middle of my head, it's still a deep sleep type of follicle. So you try different
0: types of treatments on different spots to try and achieve you know, a, a plausible result. Yes, yes. Mm. What was your understanding? I mean, you were a bit older, yeah. but wh- what was your understanding of what alopecia was at the time? I only knew about alopecia because of stumbling upon some documentary where they spoke about it, mm. but I kind of feel like generally, people don't know what it is. I can say I was aware of what
2: alopecia is because there's someone in our family that has mm. alopecia universalis. But you know when you compare yourself to someone, I'm like, but mine isn't like that, so yes. surely I don't have it. Yes. you know. And only after the diagnosis, going back and reading and yes. actually educating yourself about it. And also your diagnosis is your diagnosis. Yes. I can't compare myself to yours. And understanding what my type of alopecia is, what causes my stresses, everything yes. that works together that causes this. I think only then I had a better handle on it. Yes,
0: yes, yes. But you knew when the doctor said, okay, it's alopecia that it had to yes. do because most people just understanding understand it as a hair loss yeah. or not having hair issue. Mm. And then you ask, what's the severity of it? Yes. If I come back in a year,
2: what's the change? You know, so knowing already that you have alopecia areata, there's a part of you that maybe hopes that there's a chance that I can bounce back from this. Yes. Alopecia universalis. after certain treatments, you know, there's just no hope for me, essentially.
0: Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, Paula, you were in school at the time, and I mean, it's... I recall being in school and there were so many rules to do with hair and how your hair needs to be tied up. What was, you know, that reality like for you?
1: Um, I was very fortunate with my school. Um, yeah, they looked out for me and I was, I started wearing a bandana and I, I, our school uniform was navy. So I had a bandana made specifically to, to fit my head mm-hmm. and it was navy and I'd wear that and... At, at first, when my hair started thinning, um, before it all fell out, I was, I was quite embarrassed about it. And normally the rules were that you weren't allowed to wear a hat inside, but they let me wear my hat inside. Um, there were a few incidents where I was told, um, where other learners would tell me I must take my hat off because we're inside and, and I would just get a bit scared. Um, but I was very lucky with my situation that everyone was quite accepting of me.
0: Um, I mean, at what point do you decide because you know that your hair is now in patches, at what point did you decide that actually we should possibly just shave it all off? Or was that not even an option for you?
1: um, That that actually did happen with me. So when I was quite young and when I started um, going for treatment um, with my alopecia, I would have all these ointments that I would have to put on my head and eventually, I just had um, like strings of hair left, and it was just it would get in the way of of the ointment and all the treatments. So eventually, it was so thin that we just decided we're just gonna shave the the strands off. Mm. Um, that yeah. So that was also like I remember that day so clearly, and I, I was only six years old, but I remember the day shaving the last strands of my hair off. Yeah. Talk us through that
0: day because we know that hair represents so much to so many people. But maybe as a six-year-old, it's a it's a completely different perspective.
1: Yeah, I remember we went to one of our friends' houses down the road and um, they helped my mom shave um, the, the hair off. But yeah, there was literally hardly anything left when we shaved that off. And I remember that was the next day when I started wearing a bandana to school. So I went from trying to hide the last strands of hair underneath a hat to the next day going to school bald with a bandana on. So that was yeah, that was quite a big step for me. Um, yeah, in, yeah, in the journey. Were you
0: resistant to your hair being shaved, or was it was you were you part of the decision?
1: I would say I was part. I was part of the decision. But then again, I would say I also wasn't, I didn't fully understand what was going on. And mm. for me, it sort of felt like a temporary thing. Mm. It didn't feel like something that was going to be permanent at the time. Um, so I thought it, it wasn't going to last forever. My hair was going to grow back. Um, but yeah, in my case, that didn't happen.
0: Can you relate to what she's saying about feeling like it's a temporary thing? So even if the doctor's telling you what it is and you did your reason, yeah. your, your reading sorry, and your research, that a part of you felt like, ah it will grow back, let me just cut it all off.
2: Definitely, and I think it's also, like the people that we're surrounded with, you know, in our black and brown communities where they're like, it's a fresh start type of thing. If you want your hair to grow, you cut all your hair off so it can grow back evenly and stronger. So I believe that too. And at this stage, I I cut my hair every two to three days, or every three days, I I cut my hair off, because then at that stage you can start seeing my patches. But I also believe the same thing that Paula believed, that once I go bald and cut
0: everything off, Fresh, like the roots <laughs> will, yes. will will awaken. It'll be yes. a fresh start for me. And it doesn't work that way. Zero. Yes. Nothing. <laughs> so what does it actually do from what the doctors explain? Does it It just does, is ineffective. Yeah,
2: it's in ineff- For me, though, mm. it's, it's ineffective. Nothing happens. My hair grows back the same way. There's new patches, old
0: patches growing almost, and mm. then it recedes again. So for me, it's just, this is what it is. Now, talk to me about what your relationship with hair was like when you had to deal with this. Ooh,
2: I can never say that I praised hair, even Mm. though my community does. And it's not a bad thing because culturally there's different things that, worship feels like the wrong word to use. Mm. But in this instance, where praise is given you know mm. your hair is your glory your hair is your crown a woman without hair is what so you mm. you keep hearing those things within your community and then suddenly you feel like if i don't have that
0: mm.
1: then
2: i am not you know i am mm. not pretty enough or will i be looked at differently so i think i wrestled with that for a bit with is this what makes me in terms of mm. identity you know it opens up so many portals but I think I've got a very strong family and supportive family. And thank goodness for that. Also, the other aunt also that's yeah. like, actually, this is not what it is. You know, we can yeah. get wigs. <laughs> we yeah. can get wigs made. There's, there's hair turbans. There's so many ways to accessorize and feel pretty without hair. So for me, it was a bit tough because of the beauty standards in my community um, until you just don't care anymore because yeah. you don't have a choice.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think... I mean, we've had a conversation on this show, um, you know, with women who have gone through chemotherapy and how the one completely was like, it is what it is. And the other one, that was more devastating than losing a breast. Um, So I find it so interesting. Um, What is your relationship now, Paula, with um, hair and what it represents? I mean, you've grown up having alopecia, but at this point in time, um, do you still feel like hair is the crown that you wear on your head and all those things?
1: So I feel that hair is a big part of someone's appearance. And for me, I'm so used to not having hair. I've tried wigs um, in the past uh, when I was younger, and I've also tried them when I was a bit older. And to be honest, when I try a wig on and I have the hair touching my face and everything, it like almost, it gives me a bit of the curls. Like I, like it's, it's almost like it's not supposed to be there. Mm. And um, I don't know, I've just gotten so used to having this clean, bald head and that's sort of what I've gotten used to. Mm. Um, but everyone in my family, my sister, my brother, they all have thick hair. My sister, she has beautiful long hair. Mm. And I sometimes look at her and I'm like, wow, like I would have had hair like that or my hair used to be like that. But, mm. um, but then I've also—it's something that I've gotten over, and it's taken a long time for me to build my confidence without my hair. Mm. And yeah, I also agree with what Alavi said—that how um, hair shouldn't be praised as something, as in the like beauty standards. But also, women can be beautiful mm. without having hair.
0: Um, and I know we've spoken a lot about hair on head. Mm. When it now comes to, um, because a woman could just choose to be bold yes. without it meaning anything yes. to to people that might have questions. When it comes to now eyelashes and eyebrows and, and areas where now um, you look different, mm. how, what was that like for you? And did you feel like, okay, this is getting now bad? It did. It felt very, very uncomfortable, especially
2: working in film and TV. Yes. Because you'll get on sets and I'm like, every week I've got a different eyebrow shape. Every week, yes. one eyebrow's here, one eyebrow's here. And I'm yeah. just like, it, that, as a human being, our eyebrows don't move yes. that much, you know? Yes. And then you start having talks and now it feels like you're fighting with the hair and makeup department because realistically, this is not what I want to look like. Realistically, also, I don't like what you're doing, you know? So it feels like you're defying or you are defiant, rather. But it got tough for me because of the work that I do. But I also felt uncomfortable. You know, I'm just like, Mm. before I go out, I'm just like, as long as I've got eyebrows, I'm happy. At this stage, I could give my eyelashes if I can keep my eyebrows. Because it... Then what are the characteristics of your face? You know, like... Yeah. How would you know that I'm angry? How would you know that I'm excited? How would you know that I'm happy? You know, like it's it's a form of expression, I feel, especially because I use my face to communicate. So for me, I think that's something that I also wrestled with, with. How would you know how I feel if I didn't use my words, if I didn't have my eyebrows?
0: I actually did not think of that until you mentioned <laughs> that now because I was trying to think about the fact that, especially in the beauty space, how the lashes are such a big deal that, you know, we're, always have extensions yeah. on and all that thing. So I was thinking, I think I'd be so attached to the lashes. Mm. Now you mentioning the eyebrows and you say, how would people know? I'm like, actually, <laughs> the eyebrows, like outside of people wanting eyebrows on fleek, like yeah. the eyebrows are so expressive and they communicate so much. 100%. My goodness. Um, Paula, from your side, w- what was that like for you in terms of, um, you know, the eyebrows and the communication?
1: So, yeah, I also lost my eyebrows um, and my eyelashes. And then I think it was only when I sort of became older and started started experimenting with makeup and things like that when I sort of realised, okay, maybe I should draw on eyebrows or maybe I should wear a bit of um, thicker eyeliner. And then I also I got my eyebrows microbladed when I was 18 and I... The difference that that made, I think I I just thought to myself, why didn't I do that sooner? Yeah. Because it just changed the whole shape of my face. And it also um, let me express my um, facial expressions. So that did make a big difference. And yeah, I have had um, stages. So I go through stages where I'll have a full set of eyelashes, maybe for about three months or so. Mm. And then they'll suddenly slowly just start to... Fall out again, and then maybe in six months' time they grow back again. So I go through stages where, where my eye, my eyebrows, my eyelashes come and go.
0: Did you ever consider something permanent like a tattoo?
1: Yeah, well, I have I have microblading done, so that is kind of similar to a tattoo. Mm. Um, it's a bit different, but I have I have had that done in the past. Mm. Um, so that's what I currently have now.
0: What about your side with uh, tattoos?
1: I've also got
2: microbladed eyebrows, Paula. <laughs> I yeah. also had my eyebrows microbladed. Yeah. I think I had my last session a year or two ago. Mm. But then I also found out from that beauti- beautician rather that when you have alopecia, sometimes your body rejects the ink. Mm. So let's say you go get your eyebrows yeah. micro- microbladed and it lasts for three years. Mm. Ours might last for a year and a half because mm. our bodies are still rejecting What's happening? So I also got my eyebrows microbladed. The same with the eyelashes as Paula. Um, There are months where I shed so many eyelashes and I'm just like, okay, this is the end for me. And then there are months where just one or two eyelashes, but it's fuller, you know? So when it comes to a tattoo, I think I prefer microblading because technology has changed so much where it can look like single, you know, hair strokes as opposed to something more solid. But for us, it's semi-permanent. So maybe in a few years' time, if your scarring isn't too bad, you just top it up again.
0: Maybe explain to me um, how it is that you can get microblading for your eyelashes. Eyelashes, I don't think you can get So you can't get it for your eyelashes. But you can get like a
2: permanent, you know, like your eyeliners. I got you. Yes, there is that. But the latest technology that I saw that's pretty expensive is something that Megan Good did, where she got hair implanted in her eyebrow. So I've got hair here and there, but I've got microblading over it. And then oh, wow. Megan Good actually had her eyebrows tattooed, so it was like a solid bar. Yes. But now the new thing is actually implanting hair. Yes. So it looks like like yours, essentially. Yes. I can't afford that yet, but we'll get there.
0: I had no <laughs> idea
2: that Megan Good even needed that. Yeah, from overplucking. So hers isn't essentially from alopecia, but yes. working in the industry from such a young age, you over-plucked and then it just stopped growing. Her
0: eyebrows stopped yes. growing back. Yes. Um, Paula, talk to me about your thoughts just in terms of beauty and and the discussion around hair and how you reflect on that for yourself
1: I think um that having alopecia has definitely um made me rethink my confidence and I I I think yeah it, it is just it is it has been a struggle for me with regards to beauty standards not looking like my friends or not mm. looking like other girls, but I've always worn a bandana, and that's always been like my um my like comfort comfort blanket that I've always um, worn a bandana, but I'm trying to start just embracing the boldness mm. and yeah just going with it, but I suppose it's a journey, and I'll see where it can take me yeah mm. and for
0: you, beauty and how you reflect on beauty in relation to what you are experiencing.
2: The media has such a big influence on what we deem beautiful. Mm -hmm. You've got the likes of trendsetters that'll tell you what's hot this season, what's not. And I think if you subject yourself to that, you're always gonna feel like you don't match up in any capacity, be it when it comes to hair, complexion, body size it's always shifting so yeah. i agree with paula in a sense of it has given me a different sense of confidence because mm-hmm. this is all i have to work with yeah. <laughs> you know this yeah. is the only thing i have but i do explore wigs here and there because sometimes you know you want to razzle dazzle yes. and uh, if i'm not in head scarves like paula i am wearing ducks and i think that for me is the head wrap thing it yeah. is my thing but it really gets to a stage where okay, until there is movement or certain development, this is all I have. Mm -hmm. So what you do Mm -hmm. with where you are? And you just, I think you just have
0: to work it. You know, you mentioned earlier how it affected you at work Mm -hmm. just in terms of, um, you know, having to deal with makeup and hair department, for example. Did it affect you to a point where you might have felt like you missed out on opportunities because of not having hair or your hair being as frail um, Mm. and as challenged as what it is? To a certain extent, yes, because before
2: I knew what was happening, I was so embarrassed, you know? Mm -hmm. And you go and confide in the head of hair and makeup Mm -hmm. and you're like, this is the situation. If you can, can we Mm -hmm. work together to Mm -hmm. try and not help me feel as exposed as I Mm -hmm. already do? And when you feel like you don't have an ally in that instance, Mm -hmm. I'm just like, okay, it's not just you. Now I'm going to be seen on national TV. You are opening up a door where people are going to ridicule me and I can't reply or rather I don't want to reply to every single person because as someone that's probably my superior... I thought you would understand, mm. you know? And then you, when it comes to the wig thing, you'll have a character description where I'm just like, I can't find a wig that's the texture that they want. Yes. You know, if they want a curly afro, what is a curly afro? Until you maybe show me a picture. Yes. And then you go through your plethora of wigs and you're just like, I don't have that yes. type of texture. Yes. And you go and they're like, this is not what we're looking for. And I'm like, okay, number one, it's not my hair. <laughs> yes. Number two, what do you want me to do? Yes. You know, so I think I've resorted to auditioning bold. You'll make up the character. Yes. Yeah.
0: And I think that that's, that's probably... The the appropriate response because mm. then um, it's almost like you're saying, this is the canvas you have to yeah. work with. We can add or change up or yeah. do whatever, but this is what you have 100%. to work with. Um, and has that worked for you?
2: It has because I put it as a disclaimer. It's, mm. hi, please audition. Now you audition and you get through. But Even before I walk into the audition room, you must know that I have alopecia. Yes. And if you can't or you stress me about it, yes. I've, it's all right. Yes, it's yes. all right. Let's not do it then.
0: Paula, is there anything um, just in terms of your life where the hair affects your career and working environment?
1: Um, Well, I'm I'm in the creative industry. I do graphic design. Um, So I feel it doesn't really affect my work or my abilities to do my work. Um, So in that case, yeah, it hasn't affected me. But I would say in the past, just with my lifestyle, um, in terms of that, I would say... I've always been um, one that's scared of water because I always wear my bandana and then now when it comes to water, do I just go without my bandana? Mm. Um, Sometimes I used to even cover up with a swimming cap at the beach just because I was afraid of showing um, Mm. my naked head. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so in terms of lifestyle, I'd say just swimming and that sort of thing has has sort of been problematic for me.
0: Mm. what do you hope south africans get to know and find out about alopecia
1: firstly it's not
2: something that you choose you don't Mm. choose alopecia you don't choose for your immune system to not function Mm. at its optimum Um, but also to be more sensitive Mm. Uh, and it's even related to something like just because you've gained weight, you might be pregnant and you Mm. don't know that I might be dealing, you know, with fibroids or something. Mm. Stop assuming. Stop imposing. Stop questioning until I've told you or if you're asking from a place of love and Mm. care, don't assume and don't be mean, I Mm. think. Because the moment someone retaliates, then it becomes bigger than what it's actually supposed to be. So I also like to see its it's representation. I know we speak of representation everywhere in film and TV, but in real life, representation in its truest form.
0: Which which I would assume representation could mean you showing up in a role as a role a character that has alopecia. And yeah. then that way we're not trying to work around it.
2: Yeah. Or if you ask me to grow my hair out and you see what the final result is, you work with it, you know, not try and manipulate it beyond or sell something that really isn't true. Because the fact that we can talk to Paula, who's had it at such a young age, having to deal, you know, sometimes children can be very mean, but she stuck through it. She fought through that. So imagine another young Paula watching this saying, I'm not alone, you know, Mm. and that's what I mean when I say representation in its truest form and understanding and not from a place of ignorance, because then Mm. I can't help you or educate you. Yeah.
0: So Paula, from your side, I mean, are you going to reach a point where you think you actually are just tired of trying treatments and trying different things where you're going to say this is what it is?
1: Yeah, so I would say actually I think I have sort of gotten to that point. I've tried many treatments over the years from um, having laser done on my head, um, different ointments, um, different forms of therapy. I've done um, reflexology and I've sort of have come to the stage where I have accepted it for what it is. And I am open to trying new things if they were to surface. Mm. Um, but I, I sort of have gotten to that point where I've accepted my alopecia for, for what it is.
0: And on your side, have you reached the point yet or you still are going to continue trying different treatments?
2: I don't think I've reached that point yet. Um, I think i will probably only reach that point where I've exhausted... Um, anything topical if the last resort is anything invasive then i know for me that's my limit but i recently found a new doctor that yields pretty great results you know Mm. i've emailed them i'm getting ready for my consultation and hopefully that'll be the change because
0: i don't think i'm looking for long hair i just like to see if i can grow a full head of hair yeah and i think it's it's great that you're mentioning that because some might um assume that You want this rich, big, long hair, but Mm. actually you just want a full head of hair and something that you can work with. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think that between the two of you, you've explained it so well. Um, How would you say, and I'll start with you, Paula, to a person who might think, but this is so superficial to be, like, it's not that deep. Mm-hmm. What would you say to that person? Because whenever we speak of any type of condition, obviously there are terminal illnesses yes. and terminal conditions. This might seem like it's not that deep. Why is it that deep for you?
1: I think it's it's because it's something that that you struggle with internally and personally, as well as it affecting your appearance. Mm-hmm. So for me, it has it has I have struggled with it in, in internally and within myself, and just accepting myself for who I am. So I think. Um yeah I don't think someone should just brush it off as mm. as not meaning a lot or not sort of being of importance because it is and and it it does yeah it does affect someone more than you think. Mm.
0: Why is it that deep for you?
1: It's that deep because it's it's
2: not just you in it. When I listen to Paula's story and I'm just like, this is a whole family affair. I can yeah. say the same thing for me, you know, especially when you want to understand, but you can't. Mm. So when I first found the hair on my pillow, I'm calling my mother and like, explain to me why this yeah. is happening. And my mother also is like, you know what's happening. Thinking that my mother is going asking aunties, you know, across the road, hi, I see you growing rosemary. And my mother's boiling rosemary on the stove, mixing it with olive oil because you heard from another auntie, you know, that this could could help you. And then your father coming back with, here's an article that I read. So I'm just like, it's not just you, In this Mm. instance it feels like an entire family affair because the moment i don't feel good about myself and Mm. then it's like okay now everybody else you know needs to needs to work it it's being uncomfortable at a party with a wig on and having my brother taking off his sporty to give it to me when i take my wig off you know Mm. and it's it's a community of some sort Mm. it's I can't take my wig off in front of just anybody. Mm. I can't talk about it in front of just anybody, depending the head wraps that I have. My auntie's having headscarves on standby just Mm. in case I come over. So it really is a family and friend affair that Mm. knows Mm. what is happening. So it is that deep, Mm.
0: yeah. Mm. Paula, final words uh, of, of anything that you'd like viewers to know about your journey with alopecia?
1: Um, I think it's been a long journey, but I think I'm finally starting to accept myself for who I am with my alopecia and I'm not letting it define me. And if there is a message that I can send out to anyone watching this, even if it's just one person who's had a similar experience with alopecia, it's that they're not alone and they shouldn't be afraid. And I've um, hidden the fact that I've had alopecia, I've hidden under my bandana for many years. And I think when you, when you accept yourself for who you are and I'm slowly starting to do that, the, the story changes and the, the journey changes and you start seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. And I think um, that's just the big thing for me. Yeah. For you, final words? Uh, final words is for everybody to
2: just open themselves up. Uh, we're in 2021. Cultural norms, cultural standards when it comes to certain things mm. also need to adapt. Mm. Um, again, it's not a choice. Yeah. Uh, and also just being defiant, I think. I... Any chance I get, I'll talk about it. Yes. Before you ask, if you look at me a certain way, I'm going to tell you about it. Yes. <laughs> you know, So I try and position myself in that way where if I can impart just this piece of knowledge for you to go out there and probably share it, mm. I've probably done my part. You know, So I would also just like beauty standards to change, especially mm. internally when it comes to our particular cultures yes. and how they view beauty. Because I think if that can change it has a ripple effect then where everything
0: else essentially will change. Ladies, thank you so much. Uh, Paula, thank you so much for joining us, AltaVis. Thank you so much for coming to have this conversation. Thank you. Hashtag unpacked with Rele Thank you so much for joining in on the conversation. Do let us know what it is you think about alopecia. Have you heard of it before? And did you actually have an understanding of what it means and what it's all about? And yes, the relationship with hair is a big one. We didn't have gentlemen with us today, but I'm sure those of you that are watching, if you are going through this, have your own views and would like to share. Go ahead and do so. The details are on your screen. Thank you for joining us. Have a good night. Next time on Unpacked. And Tadaka was absent forever. My uncle was very active. Mother went to a crime. How old were you when he started recruiting you into? 15. But
2: I took it to the end of me. We used to to terrorize my Our
0: father mm-hmm. was a man. He said, Because of the village, but I didn't have to, to